0: we are continuing our series in Learning from Abraham Part 2. And uh, we're going to just go ahead and jump in where we left off. And we left off in Genesis, um, and we're picking up in uh, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 10. So we're going to, we jump down to just kind of like bits and pieces of the story, and we're picking up right here, and it says, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a time, because the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he was approaching Egypt that he said to his wife, Sadai, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well for me because of you, and that I may live that I may live on account of you. Now it came about when Abram entered Egypt that the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake, and he gave him sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sadai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So, t- so that I took her for myself as a wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they ex- escorted him with his wife and all that belonged to him. So let's pause here. And this is going to be a whole point within itself. And this is a really peculiar situation that happens with Abraham. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the give and take of being realistic. The give and take of being realistic. And I think that a lot of places, uh, and just, Abraham is just always referenced as being the father of faith. And we always see him as just being full of faith. But when we read about him, we actually see that so many of his interactions with people in the world were guided by being really practical, by being uh, extremely realistic, and even fearful at times. And just from this scene, we can pull both good and bad from his decisions. And and we're going to break that down. A big part that I want us to capture here is that sometimes being realistic is us actually being doubtful of God's promises. Sometimes being realistic is actually being us being doubtful of God's promises. So to to repaint the scene, it in uh, in this moment where there's a famine in the land, out of desperation because of the famine. Abram goes down to Egypt and lived there for a time. Now this decision itself, it's really easy to just read over it, but I want us to understand that that was a major decision in in Abram's life that affected his entire family. There's a famine, there's nowhere to get, they they weren't able to get food or anything in the land that they were, but remember he was supposed to stay, he, he was told to move to the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Canaan. So this is a moment where he's having to break away from his path to go to Egypt. And it's a really practical decision. So we don't know if it was necessarily led by God or not. All we know is that he had to feed his family. So he did what he needed to get it done. He did what he needed to get it done. And I believe men, especially Christian men, should be more practical sometimes like this. So many people use the idea of God's sovereignty as an excuse to avoid the responsibility of making a decision. the 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 terminology of like just trust God, let's wait on God. It it is is sometimes powerful, but sometimes it's an excuse to 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 avoid action. And the reason that we do that is because the responsibility of those consequences would rely all on us. And so a lot of Christians. Uh, use that as a, as a way to avoid responsibility and say well i 'm just trusting God when it 's like no you 're really just avoiding having to make a decision and so this moment for abraham I think it's a it 's one of those moments where uh, it was a a plus a plus at being realistic because remember i 'm just saying sometimes being realistic is being doubtful of god 's promises. There's other times where it's extremely necessary for us to be realistic and down to earth. But now, let's jump to the other part of this story. We see him create this plan to protect his life, and he uses this half-truth about him and his wife's relationship in order to deceive the Egyptians. And while it was technically a successful plan, it was technically successful, it still cost them something. See that it seems as though Sarai was taken to be a wife of Pharaoh. and she was with the Pharaoh for a long enough time for the Pharaoh to give all these gifts to Abraham. I mean cattle, servants. I mean, he was there it's not like the Pharaoh would just do that on day one and just give all these gifts. Um, it's possible it's not like it goes into depth but what i see is a time a, a time elapsed here it's not like they were just in egypt for a week they were long they're long enough for one day Sada'i to be noticed they're they're long enough for pharaoh to go and fetch her there's they were they're they long enough for pharaoh to to take her as a wife and to give abram all of these gifts so they were there for a duration of time and Again, this plan was seemingly successful, but at a cost, because we don't know if Pharaoh, when he took Saty to be his wife, we don't know if he was having sex with her or not. In those times, it's not like they would just—it's uh, it, not like uh, they would just take wives so that they could chill at the crib. I mean, usually, anytime someone took a wife, there's there's sexual intention behind it, and uh there's but there 's also a big possibility um, there 's also still a possibility that they didn 't have sex. A lot of government officials or rulers in those times would just pluck beautiful women out of the street to in a sense like put them in li- put them in a line for sex. They had so many concubines, so many different wives to where um, it 's not like they would have sex with all of them in one day they would in a sense, just have them for uh, that rainy day sex. Uh, sexy wife to have and with all that being in mind we don't know if uh, so we don't know if Pharaoh had sex with her or not but the whole thing behind this is that Abraham pretty much pimped out his wife in order to protect himself he gave out his wife in order to protect himself and he asked her to do it for him okay and Either way, whether they, uh, no matter what, his plan was motivated out of fear, self preservation. And this fear is, uh, it's one thing to just simply be afraid of something, but his fear specifically in this moment was directly connected to doubting God's promises to him that took place just in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. It says in that verse, when God is giving this long promise to him, and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And you will, you and in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So within God's promise to him, he promises him a life with children. He says that the, all of the families of uh, you and uh, that you're going to be a blessing to all of the earth with you and your family. And I'm going to bless you and, I, uh, and I'm going to uh, bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. He gives us the, this promise of protection and long life to Abraham. And so even though Abraham's plan of self-preservation worked out, it cost him and his family something. And if he were to have simply trusted God's promise of protection, now that would have, he could have just went in there believing that God was going to protect him no matter what, which is what I really believe God would have done. That would have been a lot more intimidating and difficult inwardly. It would have been difficult inwardly To do that because you're putting it requires a lot more faith to trust god in that way but i really believe that it would have most likely given the same results if not better because it wouldn't have cost his family this trauma and as we compare these two acts of abraham they're both of him being realistic they're both of him taking hold of his situation uh, trying to critically think about it and come out with a solution and both, both of these situations were motivated by fear. The famine in the land to move, it was motivated by fear. The, the lying to the Pharaoh, it was motivated by fear. And both of them gave the results that he wanted. Both of them gave the results that he wanted. But only one of them cost his integrity. Only one of them cost his integrity, and only one of them ended up hurting his family. And so it, when it's... So when in confusing situations, uh, some, uh, maybe not like these, but confusing situations that we go through in life, we must know that God typically doesn't call us to break our integrity. It, it, that He doesn't call us to be dishonest when when He when we are called to be practical and realistic. There are moments where we need to be practical. Moments where we need to be realistic. But in so doing, we should we should never break our integrity. We should never be dishonest. We must use the Holy Spirit and discernment when trying to determine when to act and when to trust God. You know, feel what I'm saying? So that's the give and take of being realistic when we look at the life of Abraham. Now let's look at our next point. We're going to continue on in the story. And it says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 5 through 10, it says now lot who went with abraham also had flocks herds and tents and the land could not support both of them while living together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together and there was strife between the herdsmen of abram's livestock and the herdsmen of lot's livestock now the canaanites and the perizzites the petazites We're living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are relatives. Is the entire land not before you? Please separate from me. If you choose the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you choose the right, then I will go to the left. Lot raised his eyes and he saw all the vicinity of the Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah like the garden of the lord like the land of egypt going towards zoar so in this next point we're going to be talking about the strength of being responsible and rational the strength of being responsible and rational we just talked about being realistic now we're talking about being responsible and rational strong men are responsible men who solve problems rather than run from them let me say that again strong men are responsible men who solve problems rather than run from them there are two big takeaways from this part of the story abraham being practical when faced with an ongoing conflict and abraham being generous when finding a solution to the conflict it tells a lot you can choose whichever whichever land you can choose a really practical way about uh, just finding a solution to their problem and his generosity shows in action, not intention. There's a big difference. Sometimes we intend to be generous, but that's nothing like actually being generous. Most people do their best to avoid conflict. We're going to really focus on this idea of conflict now. Most people do their best to avoid conflict. And while people often, uh, while people often openly offer their opinions and fixing other people's problems. They avoid the responsibility of fixing their own problems. It's because it takes critical thinking, confrontation, and confidence, and these things are not necessarily easy to produce. It's not easy to produce confidence. It's not easy to have critical thinking. It's not easy to confront things. So when Abraham confronts this ongoing conflict between him and Lot's workers, he literally has hundreds of people that are mixed up in the dispute we see later that uh there's a moment where abram takes 300 of his work uh, of his laborers uh his workers to to go save lot we're gonna read that in a little bit so just abram has over 300 men and this isn't including lot so this is a big uh this is a big company that they got going on and as he has hundreds of people that are mixed up in this dispute His solution to it is incredibly simple, but it's also incredibly effective. I think that's a really big takeaway because so often we think that solutions need to be complicated in order to be effective. But his solution was incredibly simple and incredibly effective. It's easy to read this and overlook the complexity that went into his decision, though. Think about how many people brought up complaints. Before he had this decision made, think about how many times he had to interview workers to get their side of the story. Because remember, this wasn't just a one-time problem; it was an ongoing problem that was creating strife between the workers, to where it was even building up strife between Lot and Abraham. It was happening for a real hot minute. And think about all, think about the other other ideas and solutions he had tried until getting to this final one that worked. Think about how many times he said, well, let's try putting up these boundaries or let's try uh, doing this or going at different times of the day. And all of the different uh, ideas he tried and didn't work. And so that it, it takes, sometimes it takes more than once to find the right solution. And at the end of it all, many times, like I said, the simplest solutions are the most effective, but they can be the hardest to make. I think sometimes these simple decisions are hard and we try to make go about all these other ways to make a complicated decision because it can feel easier to make those complicated decisions than to make the simple ones like Abraham did. Simple as, look, we need to just separate. This isn't working out. One of the biggest struggles within even companies is with it for managers and bosses is actually when it comes time to needing to let somebody go when someone it's one of the hardest things for certain managers to do is to fire people because it is uh it's just a difficult thing to confront to have confidence in in letting someone go to critically think about um how to talk about it how to confront them how to how it's going to be the right solution and there's so many times where really it is the simplest and best decision to make to simply part ways with the person that's not right for a company but so many so many managers end up keeping somebody that's not healthy for the company around because it's it's less uh, it, it's easier rather than, even though it's more complicated and the I want us to, to just really uh, zone in on that idea how the simplest solutions can be the most effective ones even though they can be hard to make as a contrast Think about the, uh, an over-spiritualized way that he could have tried to look at this kind of problem. That It would have sounded like, oh, don't worry, it'll work itself out. We don't need to stress over this. God is good, and he's going to work all things out for our good. We, we can just let this problem, uh, just let's just pray about it, and we don't need to do anything. See, that's an over-spiritualized way of, of actually trying to avoid confrontation rather than face it. And even though it sounds spiritual, it's really not spiritual. Jesus consistently tells us uh, to confront our neighbor if we have a problem with them. If someone sins against you, that you should confront them and talk to them about it. And and so we see that even though it sounds spiritual and nice, it's actually just simply a, an avoidance of confronting the problem. And we can also look at the impractical way which, it, uh, which avoids responsibility also. And it would sound something like, all right, you guys sit in this tent and work out your issues. You're all grown-ups and can handle this yourselves. I'm too busy to be worrying about little problems like this. See, this is a very impractical way so many people try to handle problems. And all, what it really is, is painting yourself to be too responsible to handle this little thing. But what it really is, is a running away from responsibility. Again, strong men are responsible men who solve problems rather than run from them and you don't have to be a genius either since most solutions are really really simple it just takes some 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 balls sometimes to make those kinds of decisions so on that note let's let's continue this story we see that lot goes and settles up in the land right next to sodom and gomorrah and what happens is the kings of the land end up having this battle between these other kings. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah end up falling. And, uh, and this is where we're going to pick up. Now, in the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and they fell into them. But those, those who survived fled to the hill country. Then they took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a survivor came and told Abram, the Hebrew. Now he was residing by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkul, and the brother of Anur. And they were allies with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men born in his house, numbering 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Then he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the possessions and also brought back his relative Lot. With his possessions and also the women and the other people. Now, this last point, we're going to see how Abraham was willing and ready. We're going to talk about the willingness of being ready. The best responses in history are seen in those who are ready and willing. The best responses in history are seen in those who are ready and willing. In this scene, we see Abraham spring into action to save his nephew. And in his response, we can grab some incredible takeaways in being a strong man. First is that he wasted no time. He went out as soon as he heard what had happened. As soon as he uh, he heard that his nephew was taken. And he took all the men in his home and went out to fight an army. Again, an army, and he took all of his farmhands to go fight this army. He speak, this speaks volumes of the idea of being ready, actually being a mentality, than, than being actually prepared or equipped. Let me say that again. What he does, it speaks volumes that shows that the idea of being ready is more of a mindset. It's a mentality rather than actually being prepared or equipped. It takes our minds being set to the thought of, I'm the man for the job. I'm not waiting for anybody else. I'm it. And stepping up like everybody is depending on you. And it takes a certain type of selflessness and willingness to be able to lay down yourself, your life, in that way for others. And the second part of this is that he went with what he had. He, he went to go face an army, and so many people would hesitate at the thought of not having enough equipment or enough people. But Abraham, he was ready to go out there with a frying pan and a dog if he had to. He was set on doing whatever he had to do in order to get his nephew back because he had the willpower to succeed and vi- be victorious. Now, this story, it really shows the raw power of how simply being ready and willing can achieve the victory in areas in which other people with more resources and talent attempted to achieve but failed. Remember, this is after actual armies lost, failed, and ran away. Abraham goes out with farmhands and succeeds. The people that were better equipped and had better resources failed. Abraham, who only had the readiness and willpower, achieved the victory. It speaks volumes of of having our mentality and our mind right to be able to have victory of whatever we face in our lives. With that being said, we're going to close out and, and get ready to discuss. But before we do, if at some point in this message you just felt this connection to God in this, as we're going over this masculinity and, and talking about the faith of Abraham, maybe you felt a faith rising up in you to trust God in your life. Maybe you've never really had a moment where you have have really made a decision to place that trust in Jesus Christ, to place your trust in God as your Father, and you want to do that today. All you have to do is the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have an authentic heart and talk to him yourself, acknowledge who He is, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's all it takes to start a relationship with Him. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to Him yourself. So if that is you, I encourage you to have that conversation tonight. Do not let another day go by. Do not let a a day turn into a week, a week turn into a month. Then all of a sudden you're years later thinking when you're going to make a decision. Let it be today. That being said, let's pray. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our group, and I pray that you finish what you started in each of these men, and you speak to us, minister to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.